You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. That could only be one person, or two persons, I guess. Okay. Well, today we're continuing our sermon series that we've entitled The Elephant in the Room. And we are doing this series because there are some big, meaty topics out there that we're often hesitant to talk about. You know, topics like politics and topics like drugs and anger and sex. And these are the elephants in the room, so to speak. And, and today we're going to take down and skin another elephant, a big elephant, uh, which you heard is the elephant of pornography. And if you're new to us today, don't panic. Um, you may be saying, what kind of bizarre church is this? You know, they meet in a high school and they talk about pornography. Really? I'm already uncomfortable. And if that's what you're thinking, let me just tell you, it's okay. Don't run out yet. Okay? Because we believe we as a church need to talk about these topics. You can see, thank you, Brian and Vanessa, for your sharing um, you can tell we are a church that likes to keep it real. Uh, we don't try to hide ourselves. We, we're real and open about things that we need to talk about. And, you know, these issues that we're talking about in this series profoundly impact our lives and also the lives of people that we work with and we, we you know, see every day. So we just can't stick our heads in the, in the proverbial sand, so to speak, and pretend that these issues aren't out there. And believe me, if you're uncomfortable listening to a sermon about porn this morning... You can imagine how I feel about giving a sermon about porn this morning, but it's important. So as we enter this third installment, let's just recap where we've been so far quickly. Stephen Ricci, you remember, kicked us off by talking about politics, and he reminded us that followers of Jesus shouldn't get caught up in politics because our Lord Jesus didn't get caught up in politics. Uh, he reminded us in Colossians 5 that you should be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. We should not be arguing about politics. And hopefully after that sermon, you ceased and desist your political arguments on Facebook. Thank you for those of you that did that. But we should have the peace of mind of knowing that our God is much bigger than our political system. Last week, Brian talked about sex and sexuality. And sex is virtually everywhere we look today, right? I mean, you can't like, not see sex. It, it, he said even on hamburger commercials, we see sex. Carl's Jr., you see sex, sexual images. And as Brian explained in his sermon, God is not anti-sex. In fact, God is the, the author of sex. He designed sex for a specific purpose, however. It's to deepen the bond between a committed husband and wife. It's that, that covenant glue, he called it, that, that holds us together. But when we ignore God's plan for sex and we do whatever we want to sexually with whoever we want to, that's when it breaks down. That's when the problems start and, and, and leads to all kinds of issues. So today I'm going to pick up where, where Brian left off. Um, and as he said, sex is good if we follow God's design. But there is one particularly evil, twisted misuse of sexuality that has become so pervasive in our world today that we just do need to spend some more time talking about it. It carries with it a lot of shame, a lot of deceit, and in my opinion, it's not being talked about enough. And of course, that's pornography. In 2015, two academics did a study to determine the attitudes of men and women towards pornography and how those attitudes have changed over the last 40 years. 
And this graph shows you the percent of men and women who are opposed to pornography, who say they're opposed to pornography. As you can see, the trend line all the way back to 1975 is that fewer and fewer men and women say that pornography is a problem. And I think that greater acceptance of pornography is really not surprising when you consider just how widespread the use of pornography is today. Like it or not, pornography has become part of our culture. Robert Jensen is a professor at the University of Texas at Austin, and he explains that his female students say that they're not bothered by pornography in the least because most of them don't see any way to avoid it. Jensen says, and I quote, the vast majority of men who college women may date are using porn. So to resist that is to essentially put yourself in opposition to the entire culture that you're part of. And that's hard for people to do. So they say porn is not that big of a deal. Paul Fishbein is another man who's a leader in the porn industry. He's the founder of Adult Video News, and hopefully none of you read that. Um, but he's quoted as saying that porn doesn't have a demographic. It goes across all demographics. And certainly someone in the industry sees firsthand how widespread the use of pornography really is. And I'll just share a few statistics to bring that to life, and then we'll put a human face on all of this. You know, the Barna Group is a pretty well-known research organization, and they did a study in 2014 of a pretty wide swath of our population in the U.S., and they looked at different age groups and their use of pornography. So we're going to start with what they learned about men and their use of pornography, then we'll look at women. So men in the 18 to 30 age bracket, what percentage of men in that age bracket do you think use pornography at least once a month? What would you say? 100%? 90? Well, it's pretty close, almost 80% of men 18 to 30 in this study report using porn once a month. Number of men in the next age bracket, which is uh, 31 to 49, two-thirds of them, 67%. In the 50 to 68 the age bracket, 49%. Kind of creepy. <laughs> Grandpa's looking at porn. The percent of married men looking at porn once a month, what do you think that is? 55%, over half. Percentage of unmarried men looking at porn once a month, 70%. Okay, so widespread use of pornography today. Now, just so the women aren't let off the hook, let's take a look at their statistics. <laughs> the percentage of women 18 to 30 using porn once a month, what do you think it is? 30, 40? Try 76%. More than three-quarters of women in 18 to 30 surveyed are using porn once a month. 31 to 49, it drops off down to 16%. I guess when you become a mother or whatever, something happens. <laughs> Percentage of women, 50 to 68, using porn. This is reassuring because it goes down to 4%. Thank you, grandmothers. <laughs> um, the percentage of married women viewing porn one time a month. Married women. What do you think it is? It's about a quarter, 25%. And the percentage of unmarried women, 16%. So women aren't off the hook either. So a few more statistics that are a little, a little shocking. Um, Google did a search of about a million different mobile search sites, actually did a study of this, and they said that pornography and pornography terms were by far the most common search term, about one in five search terms. Juniper Research says by 2017, a quarter of a billion people will be looking at pornography on their mobile device, and that's up 30% since 2013. So the trend line is, is rapid growth there. 
Obviously, the porn industry is a humongous industry, more revenue than the three major networks combined, and it's a $57 billion business globally. So it is a huge, huge business. Um, a couple other statistics. Number of internet porn viewers each second, 28,000 every second are looking at porn. Percentage of 18-year-olds who regularly sext on their cell phones. So if, in case you don't know what that is, I think you can surmise what that is, but it's texting pictures of your genitalia via your cell phone. 44% of 18-year-olds are engaged in that behavior today. The age group with the largest consumption of internet pornography, what do you think that is? 18 to 20? So we're talking to you today, teens. Okay, this sermon is, is directed to you. As parents, we need to be very concerned about this. The age of first internet exposure on average to pornography, it's 11. Alarming. And just in case you're feeling the stats would be different for so-called evangelical Christians, a couple of other statistics, 50% of evangelical pastors report using pornography in the last year, and then 53% of this promise keeper movement, which is not part of our movement, obviously, but this is an evangelical movement of Christians, the men who did this survey, 53% of them the week before had looked at porn. So, you know, if you grew up in the 70s and 80s like I did, you'll remember the days when you really had to kind of go out of your way to get pornography. I mean, you had to go to the newsstand and get that black plastic wrap magazine and do the walk of shame up to the checkout person, and, and you know, that was very uncomfortable, so there was a natural deterrent there. Or you had to go to one of those kind of seedy triple X video stores. But people that did this were generally viewed as somewhat deviant, maybe, maybe a bit perverted. But, but something has changed in the last 20 years. Something's changed in a big way because pornography finds you real time, right in your own home, you know, on your mobile device. And it's never been easier to access pornography than it is today and keep it hidden. And I think one outcome of that is that Pornography is no longer as taboo as it once was. I mean, I was shocked a while back. I flipped on Conan O'Brien at night, and he's joking about pornography, you know, and, and making, making light of it. And, and I think porn is just increasingly viewed as a normal part of life. And when I talk to men about porn, and I've had a few conversations about it in preparing for this sermon, especially people outside the church, the attitude is kind of like, eh, it's no big deal. It's harmless. You know, every, every man does it. 100% of men use it. So I'm, not a, I'm no different than anybody else. That's the attitude that I often get. And I think that nonchalant attitude about pornography, I think more than anything, it demonstrates a lack of awareness. Because pornography has a very dark underbelly that I have learned actually a lot more about over the last few weeks as I've been doing the research for this sermon. And, and folks, I apologize in advance. I'm going to be very direct this morning. Um, you know, I... I, I, what I'm going to share with you is probably going to make you squirm in your seat. It's going to upset you. It may break your heart, but we need to know the truth. And I don't think it would be right to try to sugarcoat this or make, make, make jokes about what's going on. Because, again, pornography is not what it was 20 or 30 years ago. You see, it, today's pornography is fueled by the traffic and the torture and the abuse of innocent human beings especially women and children. And when you choose to look at online porn today, you're, you're usually not looking at consenting adults who have made the career choice to be a porn star. What you're really looking at is young women and children, oftentimes, who have been deceived, they've been kidnapped, 
They've been coerced. Some, oftentimes they've been drugged. And, and, and these criminals that are doing this, you know, they're profiting from it. They're profiting from the torture. You saw the statistics about the revenue in the pornography industry. These criminals, what they do is they force these victims to do horrendous sexual acts on video. And then those videos go viral on the internet. Let that sink in for a moment. Many of the porn videos that millions of people are looking at online today are actually recordings of victims who are being forced to do what they're doing. And when you click, you're actually enriching the criminals that are actually doing all of this. And I'm going to share a two-minute video here that I think is pretty enlightening about what's really going on. This is Anna. Wait, wait, don't click to someone else yet because Anna's stuck here on your computer screen. And while you can walk away, her image is stuck on the internet. See, your fantasy is Anna's nightmare. There's a good chance recruiters lured her with flattery. Perhaps they baited her with cash. Maybe they even tranquilized her with date rape drugs. And if Anna's like many others, she stays sedated with alcohol, weed, or coke to numb the pain. Chances are she faces STDs and HIV because she's denied access to protection. We don't know what she's been through because we only see Anna smiling. And they keep showing Anna smiling so that you'll keep watching. See, pornography is integral to human trafficking and prostitution. In nine countries, almost half, 49%, said that pornography was made of them while they were in prostitution. This generation fights sex trafficking more than anyone ever has, and more than anyone ever has, this generation consumes porn. Fighting human trafficking and then watching porn is like protesting a corrupt politician and then donating to his campaign. You browse privately going from Anna to Zoe and back to Anna. Watch your favorite fantasy and then walk away. But Anna's still there. She's stuck there, stuck in this life because you click. Each click, each link, each URL visit and play button, this is the currency of porn. This is the price of Anna's life. The $100 billion pornography industry is fueling the appetite for children as well. Teenage girls now make up the biggest slice of viewable porn, which by definition is considered trafficking. The demand for porn fuels the trafficking industry, and you can take away that demand. You can cut the cord on this machine. You can bankrupt the system. You can empty the pimp's pockets. You can free Anna by simply refusing to click. So when you look at pornography online, you may be looking at a girl like Carla that you see here. And Carla went public last year on CNN with her story. And the headline was simply 43,200. And I warn you, this, this is a very graphic story. But you know, Carla is from a small town in Mexico that's actually known for producing pimps and prostitutes. And Carla was first sexually abused by a relative when she was five years old. When she was 12 years old, she was befriended by a 22-year-old man in a train station who offered her some candy to start with. And he became more and more uh, overt in his gestures of gifts towards her, which drew her in. He started buying her more and more nice things, and she was impressed that he drove this shiny new car to pick her up in. Soon Carla's mom kicked her out of the house because she wasn't coming home at night. She was spending a lot of time with this 22-year-old man. She eventually moves in with him, 
And not long after she moves in with this man, the man informs her that she's going to become a prostitute. And he's going to force her to become a prostitute. And he begins to teach her what the expectations are of her as a prostitute. And the expectations were that she see 30 men per day. 30 men per day. Seven days a week. And that went on for four years. So when you do the math, Carla estimates she was raped 43,000 200 times. And where were the police, you ask? Where were they? Well, the Mexican police once showed up at the brothel where she was working, and she was hopeful that they would rescue her, but unfortunately, the police made a deal with the brothel owner. And that next night, 30 uniformed policemen showed up at the brothel to have their way with the women and children who were working there, most of whom were between the ages of 10 and 13. And besides the cops, some of the other clients that Carla saw were priests, Judges, politicians, community leaders. And by the grace of God, Carla escaped slavery. She escaped that. Folks, when you look at pornography online today, chances are you're looking at someone like Carla. Fight the New Drug is a nonprofit organization that's raising awareness about the facts of the pornography industry. And, and the website gives some disturbing details about what's really going on. I'll just give a quick excerpt. And again, I warn you, this is graphic. But part of the lie that porn producers want customers to buy into is that porn is legitimate entertainment made by glamorous people who are doing it because it's what they want. It's okay for the user to use it because the people they're watching seem to be enjoying it. What they don't say is that some of those people look like they're having a good time because behind the scenes they have a gun pointed at their head. And if they stop smiling, it will go off. For example, in 2011, two Miami men were found guilty of spending five years luring women into a human trafficking trap. They would advertise modeling roles. Then the women would, when the women would come to try out, they would drug them, kidnap them, rape them, videotape the violence, and sell it to pornography stores and businesses across the country. That same year, a couple in Missouri was charged with forcing a mentally handicapped girl to produce porn for them by beating, whipping, suffocating, electrocuting, drowning, mutilating, and choking her until she agreed. One of the photos they forced her to make ended up on the front cover of a porn publication owned by Hustler Magazine Group. Do you think millions of Americans who are looking at porn online, even now as we sit here this morning, do you think they know they're actually viewing prisoners who are being forced to have sex against their will? Do you think they know that? We have a problem. We have an elephant in the room, and it's called pornography. And folks, we are going to have a realistic and open talk about this. Because the statistics and my experience tell me that the majority of you in this auditorium this morning are either looking at porn, you've looked at porn before in the past, or you know somebody, a loved one that is. I mean, I personally in my life have struggled with porn. And I'm going to share a little bit about my story with that this morning. But let me just start by reassuring you folks that this is not going to be a shame-based sermon this morning. I, 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 I hope that if you're looking at porn actively and you're still doing that, I hope you already feel enough shame. And frankly, if you don't feel any shame, this sermon's not going to help you. You're going to need professional help. Um, but if you are a porn user, you probably do feel a lot of shame already. So I'm not going to throw gas on that fire. 
But what I do want to do this morning is expose the truth. The truth about what pornography does. The truth about why we can be attracted to something so evil. And finally, and most importantly, the truth about the way out. Because there is a way out. So the title of my sermon is called Breaking the Chains. And we'll explore three questions about pornography. Why is it so harmful? Why are we so attracted to it? And what is the way out? Why is it so harmful? Why are we attracted to it? What is the way out? Let's absolutely pray as we get started for this. Heavenly Father, uh, we just pray this morning as we discuss this difficult topic and this, uh, just are sobered by the evil um, that, that happens in our world every day. Uh, Father, just give us a breakthrough this morning. Uh, give us truth from your scriptures, um, Father, about what, what the truth is about porn. But most importantly, give us hope, God. Hope that there is a way out of this because there is nothing that's too difficult for you. And I just pray that the Holy Spirit, God, would do the talking this morning in our hearts as we listen to this and, and just be with um, you know, this message and speak to us this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's get started with that first question. Is a little porn really a big deal? You know, as I just pointed out, when you click, you're supporting the, traf the trafficking industry, which is a huge deal in of itself. But even looking beyond the fact that you're supporting human slavery, porn has plenty of other harmful side effects that actually have been well-researched and well-documented. Um, I've, I've experienced firsthand those negative effects in my own life. Uh, you know, my experience with pornography was one way I call it is a journey of, I would say, increasing darkness. And it started all the way back when I was 10 years old and I was playing in a relative's home and I found a stash of pornographic magazines. And so, of course, I looked at them and that was sort of my introduction to sex education. And later in high school, when I was working one summer, you know, this coworker of mine had a stash of pretty hardcore pornographic magazines that he kept in his truck and he encouraged me to start looking at them. And I did. So, you know, I would say that my, my porn addiction was already starting as a teenager. Uh, I just innocently came across this pornography. But when I got to college, I, I joined a fraternity in my freshman year of college. And I would say in this fraternity, like many of them, uh, it, was pretty, it was a pretty debaucherous place. I mean, I'd say pornography, masturbation, sexual immorality, these things were actually celebrated. In fact, part of the initiation into the fraternity was to, to view these, these pornographic hardcore pornographic videos. And I, I would just say those videos took it to a whole new level of depravity. I mean, I, I have images from those that I will never, ever be able to get out of my mind. And out of college, I, I continued to keep a stash of pornographic magazines that I looked at a lot, almost daily. And as the internet started taking off in the mid-1990s, you know, I, I was a single man living in LA. I had just moved here, didn't know a lot of people, and I started discovering online these, these internet chat rooms. And some of these chat rooms were sexually explicit chat rooms. And I started getting onto these things. And I, it wasn't long before I found myself several nights a week, I would be up all night on these chat rooms, doing, talking about Lord knows what, you know, with people I didn't even know who were on the other side. I, I didn't know who was on the other side. So looking back, I, I was clearly addicted to pornography. I felt powerless to change it. And, and I'd say porn had a hugely negative impact on my psyche because I, I felt that I would have to escape to this fantasy world to, to cope with the challenges of life. And I was lonely, but, but ironically, pornography isolated me even more. It made me feel insecure around women. I, I, and I had this dark side of myself that I didn't want anybody to know about. I was living in shame. So, so why is pornography so damaging? A lot of reasons, but I'll just share the big ones. First and foremost, it's a lie. Paul says in Romans 1, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, 
But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. The Apostle Paul says here that, that when we don't worship God, we don't revere God, our hearts become darkened. And God essentially says, okay, you don't want to worship me? You don't want to love me? Go to town. Do your own thing. Do what you're going to do. Do what your sinful heart desires. And what does mankind do? We exchange the truth of God for a lie. We degrade our bodies in sexual impurity. We worship images, pornographic images, rather than the creator. And as Brian talked about last week, you, you be actually become an idolater. As you, you try to use sex and porn to satisfy what only God can satisfy. Pornography proves this scripture true. When we look at porn, we are exchanging the truth of God for a lie. Everything about pornography is a lie. It distorts our view about what sex is all about. You know, Brian explained last week that, again, sex is intended to deepen the intimacy between a husband and a wife. It's the cement that holds marriage together. But with porn, we miss the very intimacy that God intended you to have with another person. And we begin to think that sex is primarily about our own pleasure exclusively, and that's a lie. You begin to bond with an artificial world. And in the process, you, you lose the ability to bond with a real person. Studies are showing increasingly that men who use porn are unable to have a regular normal relationship with somebody. Porn traps you in a fantasy world. You become isolated, right, where Satan wants you to be. And pornography also feeds the lie that it's perfectly healthy to detach sex from a committed marriage. Last week, Brian explained that trying to separate sex from the emotional bonds it creates is against God's design for sex. Porn feeds the lie from Satan that casual sex is normal and it has no adverse consequences. That's a lie. Pornography also jacks up your expectations for what sex should be like. I mean, those sexual images that you see become your warped reality. And you get distorted expectations of what even bodies should look like. I mean, since most porn actors are younger, you know, you begin to think like your body should look like that or your spouse's body should look like that. That's a lie. It's all a lie. Porn also enslaves. Jesus said, very truly I tell you, everyone who, who sins is a slave to sin. Fight the New Drug, that, that organization that, that's talking about this, explains it this way. Cocaine and opioids make users feel its effects by triggering the reward pathway to release high levels of dopamine without making the user do any of the work to do it, to earn it. Want to guess what else does that? Porn. In his statement before Congress, Dr. Jeffrey Santenover, a psychoanalyst and psychologist, warned, with the advent of the computer, the delivery system for this addictive pornography has become nearly resistance-free. It is though we have devised a form of heroin a hundred times more powerful than before and usable in the privacy of one's own home and injected directly to the brain through the eyes pretty graphic description of the addictive effects of pornography. Pornography literally creates a, an addiction in your brain. It releases chemicals that cause addiction. And porn's now easier to access than any other drug out there. It's the new drug. It truly is the new drug. Remember Hugh Lewis when he sang, I want a new drug, 1980s? Those of you in the 80s, you with me? Was he singing about pornography? 
I don't think so. I hope not. But Jesus says that when you sin, you become a slave to sin. And, and nowhere do you see that more than with pornography. I've seen this firsthand with men in our church who come up and they'll confess to me sometimes, hey, I'm looking at inappropriate stuff online. And when I follow up with them later to see how it's going, oftentimes I just get a look of despair, a look of hopelessness in their eyes. Some of you are so addicted to porn that it seems impossible to walk away from it. And whether you admit it or not, you are an addict. You are a slave to this. And like with all addictions, you need more and more of the drug just to maintain the same high. Which leads me to a third evil about porn, which it will lead you into increasing depravity. In Ephesians 4, Paul says, They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. And again, I personally experienced that downward spiral. I mean, what started with pornographic magazines led to more and more sinister places for me. And it gets darker and darker because the porn that once excited you quickly becomes boring. And the images aren't filling your inner needs. You're not getting satisfied. You're not healing any past wounds by looking at this stuff. So you seek out more and more depravity to fill the void. And you're trying to fill a void that only Jesus can fill. Porn is the ultimate idol. And as Paul said, you know, an, idol an idolater begins to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. And that's what happens with porn. You want more, more, more. And that's why we have every kind of pornography out there today. Heterosexual porn is the beginning. Homosexual pornography, child pornography, bestiality, sex with animals. And as you lose sensitivity and as your heart hardens you give yourself over to sensuality and you continually lust for more and again the scriptures are proven to be true porn leads to a downward spiral into every kind of depravity porn causes shame and insecurity number four in genesis 3 after you see adam and eve sin it says starting in verse 7 the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves then the man and the woman heard the sound of the lord god as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the lord god among the trees of the garden so after they sinned adam and eve were ashamed and they hid and even though their bodies were perfectly designed by god they felt the need to cover themselves because they were ashamed you know, and most porn viewers also feel shame about what they've done. Even as Adam and Eve, you know, we're their descendants, so our natural instinct is to hide when we sin. And we cover ourselves because we feel ashamed of what we've done. And when we start comparing ourselves also to, to these pornographic images, we can also feel very insecure about ourselves. And we want to hide. I certainly experienced that when I was wrapped up in porn and my shame, my, my insecurity. I had a hard time even engaging in conversation with women. And, and Women in my imaginary world were just objects to be used and then set aside. Real, women, real women were nothing like the fantasy world that I was living in. And my self-esteem was very low. I didn't think I was even worthy to talk to a real woman. And like Adam, I, I was hiding in the weeds. Pornography breeds shame and insecurity. And lastly, pornography kills marriage. It kills marriage. In Matthew 5, Jesus says, But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. 
So Jesus says, when you're looking at someone lustfully, you're already committing adultery. How many of you are married, looking at porn, don't raise your hand, but do you look at it that way? Do you see it as, I am committing adultery against my spouse in my heart? You need to see it that way. And last time I checked, adultery isn't very good for a marriage. And what else does pornography bring into a marriage? It brings in deception. It brings in selfishness. It brings in unrealistic expectations. This is a recipe, folks, for a failed marriage. It's that serious. And pornography also destroys the sexual union between a husband and wife. Why? Because when the spouses are looking at at, at things online, intense sexual scenes of young people with perfect bodies, surprise, the spouse all of a sudden loses sex and having interest with their their spouse, right? Because their their more normal-looking spouse can't live up to the fantasy. And the porn addict wants more and more intensity that his or her spouse just can't provide. Here's an alarming statistic. The fastest growing segment of the population struggling with erectile dysfunction is men in their 20s and 30s who have been conditioned by online porn to respond only to never-ending novelty with increasing depravity, according to Harvest USA. I mean, isn't it crazy that, that you turn the TV on at the news hour and all you see are erectile dysfunction drugs commercials? I mean, Cialis, when the moment is right, you know, it's like, The commercials are almost pornographic. It makes me wonder if we have so many men with erectile dysfunction because we have so many men addicted to pornography. I don't know. It's just my speculation. It might be a good science fair project for grown-ups. For (laughs) grown-ups. So this hopefully begins to answer the first question, folks. is, Is a little porn harmful? Absolutely. It is an addictive drug that will deceive you, it will enslave you, it will ultimately destroy you. Your marriage and your family will be destroyed. It's not just a harmless pastime that we should just accept as the new normal. And that leads me to our second question, which is, if if pornography is so insidious, why on earth do so many people use it? And you know, the, the complete answer to that question, I am totally unqualified to answer. We could have much smarter people than me here for a week talking about why people use pornography. Because I think every person has their own set of experiences, their own emotions, their own temptations that put them at risk for using pornography. That said, I do think that the pornography problem is fundamentally a spiritual problem. Man and women are made in God's image, and and God's design has been under attack from the very beginning. And you remember we did a sermon series called A Beautiful Design um, a while back. But, you know, man was designed to have the traits of God. God is strong. God is a creator. God is a warrior. God is a protector. And man was meant to have all of those characteristics, right? Remember that? Woman, on the other hand, was unveiled as the crown jewel of God's creation. And Adam just must have been in awe when he saw Eve and all of her beauty for the first time. All you could say was, whoa, man. You know? <laughs> God said, that's perfect. Perfect name for her. And God wanted, he wanted that. He wanted that beauty to inspire Adam. He wanted it to inspire him because God intended man to use his strength to pursue a woman, to fight for the woman, to win her over and to protect her. And on the other side of that coin, God gave woman the deep desire to be chosen, to be fought for, to be protected 
And she, lo- she longs to, un- to unveil her beauty to her hero. You know, the knight in shining armor rec- rescuing the damsel in distress, that's a story, it's a storyline in so many movies, so many things we ever watch. It's a story as old as time itself because it reflects God's design for man and woman. So what happened in the Garden of Eden? The serpent targets beautiful Eve, deceives her, convinces her to doubt God's promises, and the woman doubted God and she takes control of things herself. And where was Adam when all of this was going on? Standing right next to his wife, passively watching all this go down. Give me some of that fruit. Nom, 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 nom. Yeah. And where was his strength? Where was his fight? Why didn't he protect his wife? Adam ended up ashamed and hiding in the weeds. That's where he ended up. And something inside of man was broken at that moment. An ideal was lost. No longer was man living out his design to be a pursuer and a protector and a warrior. Fallen man doesn't use his strength to pursue and protect the woman. Instead, he exploits her and he manipulates her. Nowhere is fallen man more evident than with pornography. Think about it. With a pornography, man gets the beauty without fighting for her. He wants the spoils without going to war. And with porn, you can have the beauty unveiled on your computer screen with the click of a mouse. You don't have to fight. And again, dads, is that the kind of man you want your daughter to marry? The one that won't fight for her? Is that the kind of man you are? John Eldridge is one of my favorite authors. One of my favorite books is Wild at Heart. And he says, what makes porn so addictive is that more than anything else in a lost man's life, it makes him feel like a man without ever requiring a thing of him. My friends, the widespread use of pornography is sad evidence of the fallen state of mankind. It's about man trying to get the beauty without paying the price. And by the way, the problem isn't limited to man. As we saw, I saw the statistics earlier with women, they're struggling with porn too. And, and maybe it's not called pornography with women. Maybe we use a euphemism like erotica, erotic stories. Or maybe it's called Fifty Shades of Grey. Why are women so attracted to this? I don't know, I'm not a woman, but I did some research. Julie Slattery, <laughs> Julie Slattery, and I didn't want to go around asking women why, you know, so that wouldn't be appropriate either. So I, I researched it. Julie Slattery is a PhD in psychology. She says, several longings of a woman's heart that lead them to pornography. Longing number one, women long to escape reality. Women long to escape reality. Longing number two, women long to be cherished by a man. And longing number three, women long to be protected by a strong man. Again, once again, popular psychology confirms what God has known from the very beginning. That's how he designed us. And as Satan, Satan he neutralizes real men, Many women then go in search of their own counterfeit, an erotic fantasy that will never fulfill their God-given desires to be pursued and to be fought for and to be cherished. And what a mess we're left in, aren't we? We have weak men who are chasing fantasy women that they don't have to fight for. And we have many women who are chasing after imaginary strong men that they're not finding in real life. What hope do we have to be saved from this new drug? How do you break the chains? Well, I'm grateful to share with you from my own experience that there is hope. But it won't come from you just trying harder. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to stop it. I'm going to stop using porn. And a week later, you're back at it. Trying harder, 
you will likely fail. Because God knows that we are powerless to save ourselves. The Bible says at just the right time when we were still powerless, God sent his son to die for the ungodly. And in Jesus, that's where we get the antidote to all of this. The antidote to all sin, including pornography. Just quickly look here. I was just reflecting on, okay, we looked at all these bad parts of pornography. Just consider for a moment how Jesus is the perfect answer to all these problems of porn. So how porn kills? First of all, we said porn is a lie. But Jesus promises that he is the truth. The truth. The truth. The only truth. And the only way to life. We said that porn enslaves. Jesus says repeatedly, if you hold to my teaching, you are my disciples and you will know the truth. And the truth will what? Set you free. We want to be free. We got to go to Jesus. We said that porn is an increasing downward spiral of depravity. Jesus promises you when you come to him with a deep hunger to be right, to be righteous, he will fill you. He will fill that hunger. You said porn causes shame and insecurity. Well, remember, Jesus met a lot of people suffering with shame and insecurity. Remember the woman caught in adultery? She comes up, ready, they're ready to stone her. And does Jesus stone her? No. He says, if you leave your life of sin, neither do I condemn you. If you leave your life of sin, neither do I condemn you. And we said porn destroys marriage. Jesus upholds marriage. The amazing design for marriage. He wants a lifelong committed relationship between a man and a woman. He upholds the design for, you know, man and woman to be one flesh, to be sexually unified. He reminds us that God intended nothing to separate that union. Nothing, including pornography. Jesus is the way out. <laughs> He's the way out of this addiction. And as you repent, as you receive the gift of forgiveness and salvation in the waters of baptism, you will be motivated and you'll be equipped by the Holy Spirit to live as a new creation, free from the chains of addiction. And I am proof that that promise is true. Because while I was still powerless, when I was still enslaved to pornography, I was invited to church by, you, know, you all know the story, by a beautiful young business associate named Mia Randolph. <laughs> and the first time I came out to one of our churches, some men asked me to study the Bible and at first, I wasn't that interested in it, but when I realized Mia would be impressed by that, I said, okay, I'll study the Bible. God uses many ways to attract us, right, Harold? So, and when I figured out that Mia might be impressed, I did study, and then I figured out immediately, I was shown immediately more than figured it out, I was shown immediately in the scriptures that I was lost. And it was crazy, because up to that point, I thought I was just fine with God. God and I were close, but I realized I am lost. I am steeped in sexual impurity and immorality, and I thought I was right with God. That's how deceived I was. And when I studied the Bible, I learned that exactly what God defines as sin. Sexual impurity and morality are on that list, by the way. I learned what the consequences of my sin are. My sins separate me from God. And unless my sins are paid for, that separation will be eternal. I learned that I can never pay for my sin on my own. I have nothing to offer God that will make amends for what I've done. <clears throat> I learned that God sacrificed Jesus, his only son, to take the punishment for me. And Jesus' death on the cross breaks down the wall of sin between God and me. And Jesus had to pay a horrible price for my sin. 
And finally, I learned that Jesus rose from the dead, and he is Lord of heaven and earth. And that means I will have to give account to him one day. And when I saw that truth in God's word, I was shaken to my core. But my baptism day was the happiest day of my life because I was given a new weapon against sin at that moment. <clears throat> I began to turn away from my sins because I was baptized and I was given the Holy Spirit. And God promises his spirit to everybody who has faith in Jesus who repents and is baptized. It was the Holy Spirit living inside of me, you see, that gave me the power to take all the pornography and put it in a dumpster the day I was baptized and never went back to it. It was the Holy Spirit that gave me the power to live in complete sexual purity as a single man for two years in the church. It was the Holy Spirit that gave me the power to date the beautiful Mia Randolph and to not lay a finger on her in a sexual way or even to kiss her until our wedding day. That was the Holy Spirit that, my friends, was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit working together <laughs> to save me from my addiction. You see, as a slave to pornography and impurity, I could have never escaped on my own. I, I just wasn't strong enough to break the chains, and only Jesus was strong enough. And guys, if you have those chains today, Jesus is your only hope. As trite as that might sound, his hope is real, and I am proof of that. Because it's only by his strength, it's only by God's strength and Jesus' strength and the Holy Spirit that I have not deliberately looked at a pornographic image since I emerged from the waters of baptism 17 years ago. That could only be the power of Jesus. And I'm, I don't want your applause, I want your prayers because I, am, I believe that Satan, I am not exempt from his temptation. But I will tell you that Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit will help me to resist that. And I encourage you to look at the Bible with us the word of God will give you hope and it will show you the way forward. Ask the person who invited you to church or anybody with one of the Blue South Bay Church shirts on and we'll sit down with you for a series of Bible studies like I went through and we'll show you how you can get that promise that Jesus offers. So we've covered a lot of ground today and I'm hopeful that some of you saw some new truths. All of you saw new truths about pornography. When you view porn, you're supporting human trafficking. So stop it. Refuse to click. Porn is a lie, it enslaves, it leads to a powerful spiral of a downward spiral of depravity, and it causes shame and insecurity. It will destroy your marriage. And we use porn because without Jesus, we don't live God's design for a man and a woman. And finally, and most importantly, God has given us the way out, a way through his son. Understanding and following Jesus is the only hope you have of breaking the chain. So the question I leave you with is: do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? The ball is in your court. You have a strong enemy, but we have a stronger savior. And I'll just put up some practical steps as I leave here on next steps if you are struggling with pornography. You know, recognize you have a problem. There's some scripture references I won't go into. Recognize you have a problem. Confess your problem to a mature believer who will hold you accountable. Get guidance from somebody of the same sex or maybe even professional help if you need it. And there's plenty of counselors. If you need one, talk to me, talk to Steve, talk to Brian. We can help you get hooked up with a counselor. Be wise. You know, use filtering software on your computer. And recognize that this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. With, as with any addiction, never assume that you're, pat, you're out of the woods because Satan is more powerful than we are. But the Holy Spirit is the most powerful of all. So thank you so much. Love you. Have a great day. 
Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.